Greetings and welcome to the Fifth Column Community Podcast, a show by the people, of the people, and for the people. I'm Eliana Almog, and this is the Bad Parents Club, the first in what I hope will become a series of conversations about parenting in a non-helicopter way. Today, I'm talking to two fixtures of the Fifth Column fan community, Leslie and Norm. Among many other accomplishments, Leslie is a mother of four, and Norm is a father and a grandfather of two. We talk about parenting during lockdown, changing attitudes towards teachers and children, the importance of giving your offspring some space, and Norm leaves us with an eternal piece of parenting wisdom. You're going to fuck up. Enjoy. Well, thanks for joining, guys. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to having uh, a bad parents club conversation. <laughs> this is inspired by uh, Leslie during the last uh, fifth column watch party. Um, after we were done watching, we started talking about, you know, parents and parenting. And Leslie was saying how she... Uh, Sometimes she feels like a bad mom because well, she honestly is. whenever her kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not big on the whole helicopter parenting thing. <laughs> Neither am I. Yeah. Uh, Norm, were you a helicopter dad um, when your kids were little? Um, no, I was pretty, I was pretty bad. We actually left our kids for a week in the care of a babysitter. So. Probably. It, yeah, it is now. How old were they? What's that? How old were they? Um, one of them was still in diapers. So. Oh. Yeah. And that was in the days before cell phones, right? Yes, it was in the days before cell phones. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, it's one of the things that I look back on and just go, Jesus, that was awful. <laughs> what What was I thinking? Um, but. So it sounds like they turned out they, fine, they though. They seem to have survived. Um, um, <laughs> don't seem to be overly scarred. Right, right. Um, okay, so I sort of have a feeling for how old each of your kids are, but uh, how about we go around and, uh, you know, let people know um, how many and how old uh, our respective children are. Um, less than okay, I have a stepson that's 26. Um, he lived with us uh, until he finally moved out. Um, and then I have three girls that are mine and they are almost 15, 12 and nine. Nice. I have two Norm. sons. Um, one is 40. He was born the day after my 30th birthday. And wow. um, I have one who is 16 months later. And if my math is right, he will be 39 in May. Wow. And then I have uh, two granddaughters um, by my eldest son. Um, one is five and a half and the other is two and a half or something like that. Oh my goodness. Fabulous. Yeah, I am just a little bit younger than your yeah. kids, Norm. So I'm uh, 38 and I have an eight year old and a four year old. Oh, that's, so you have, you're <laughs> almost about to like get one that's pretty independent and then one that will still be hanging on just your neck for a about. while. Just about. Yep. Yep, I'm uh, I'm learning. I'm learning that that is likely to be the case. Yeah, um, my my eight year old is pretty good. She's starting to get to the place where she will make herself a snack. She will use the microwave. She'll make her sister a snack. She'll help her, you know, whatever she needs help with. So that's definitely helpful. Um, but. But yeah, the little one is, you know, little one is torn between wanting to be fiercely independent and also 
still wanting to be the baby. I'm sure you're both very familiar yeah, with that. Yeah, I dynamic. really like. <clears throat> I really kind of took in and started appreciating like everything that I was going to kind of lose as my youngest got older. Like whenever mm. I would put on her shoes, it's like, is this the last time she'll need my help? You know, will she not want me to like help her with socks? You know, things like that. Like you never know right. in the last minute that you're going to hold them. You don't know that's the last time. So you kind of like, that's right. you know, I kind of messed with my husband of like, don't you want another one? You know, and he'd be like, no. And then he would like come back the next day and be like, are you serious? And I'd be like, hell no. I'm not serious. Um, but it was, you know, I didn't really think about that a lot with my two older girls about, you know, is this the last time I'll pick her up? Or is this the last time I'll you know, have to put her seatbelt on for her or, you know, just any of those things. You don't really think about it when you're doing it. And it's more kind of like just annoying that you have to be doing that sometimes. And so towards the end, I really tried to mm -hmm. like, you know, suck that in. And, you know, her going from eight to nine during the lockdown, I have noticed such a large change in her just like, growing and like right. you know now she's like you said she's like I want a cup of noodle she just like makes it she you know she wants popcorn she throws it in the microwave it's there's no more of like the mommy can you do this mommy can you do that and as much as I appreciate it because it kind of lets me off the hook I also am going to miss that yeah I I totally hear that I um I had a really hard time after my first daughter was born. I, you know, had pretty horrible postpartum depression and um, which is funny because I'm a preschool teacher and I'd been teaching little kids from, you know, newborn to five for like 10 years before I started having my own kids. Um, and I thought I knew everything that was going to happen. I thought I knew exactly what to expect, but, um, you know, uh, reality showed me I was wrong. So, so yeah, th they sure are. Amazing. Yep. How um, little we control our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think about that a lot, like, and with COVID as well, you know, we have this, uh, it seems to me like we're living under this delusion that because we know so much, which we do in a certain way about, you know, viruses and uh, immunity and, you know, how bodies fight infection, all of that. We think that, you know, we should be able to control this. And uh, no, actually, yeah. we can't. And, and I think like not being in control, you know, it's always it's such a weird thing because we do kind of go through life, especially now in the age of like cell phones and, you know, everyone has a camera and everything mm -hmm. that like, we are able to control so much more of our environment than we used to be able to. We know who's calling. We know, you know, we don't just answer the phone, but mm -hmm. then when you're put in this situation where like, you can't do anything. I mean, I find myself thinking like really weird things or in really weird moods. And I have to remind myself that like in California, we've almost been down for a full year. So it's like, yep. you know, there's still people out driving and we can go outside and like restaurants are open, but like, I don't want to go eat in a parking lot. And I don't, I don't know, just none of that sounds appealing to me. So we haven't, and you just have to like remind mm -hmm. yourself and give yourself a little bit of a break of like, yeah, you know, this is like the hundred year virus that we all got so lucky to live through and we just need to give ourselves a break. Right. And like, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'm just going for a walk and I'll go for a walk and I'm like, my husband will say, Oh, how do you feel now? Do you feel better? And I say, well, I don't feel like I want to kill you. So yeah, I guess so. Like, you know, I just <laughs> find myself so cranky for no reason. Like I can't explain it. Yep. No, that's that's a that's a really good point. Um, Norm, how have things been for you and your family? So you have two big kids and two little granddaughters. How how has the lockdown been for them? Um, the lockdown has been interesting. My um, eldest is a freelance writer. 
And so he does a lot okay. of work from home anyway. Um, the His two girls are, uh, one goes to preschool and she, in Washoe County, in um, where, where they live, um, schools are open. So that has been really okay. wonderful. That she, uh, even though she yep. wears a mask, um, she's been able to um, get out and, and be with other kids and that has been really wonderful. And the little one isn't quite ready yet for, for preschool and sees her big sister leave and thinks there's fun going on and I'm not part of it. <laughs> uh, um, oh, yeah. Um, so in some ways, um, it's kind of normal for my grandkids. Um, my eldest and his, or my youngest and, and his girlfriend, um, they, uh, they've been working from home and it's put a crimp in, in a lot of their things, but uh, right. uh, it's, it, I, for me as an introvert, it's been wonderful. <laughs> I've actually had more people than I would normally. Uh, the fifth column folks, you know, uh, had it been what they wanted to do, what, what uh, fifth column guys wanted to do, which was to get out and do on the road stuff, I'd never meet anybody. But it's been the Zoom, it's been the Zoom uh, things that have been uh, opening. So I've I've actually met more people, oddly enough. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Because uh, I'm about two and a half hours north of San Francisco. I was going to say, you can kind of tell Norm's an introvert mm -hmm. by where he's chosen to put roots. Yeah. Well. Yeah, uh, to live. I, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I moved, well, I've lived in a number of of. of rural places basically because of who I worked for. I worked for the Department of Forestry for the state. And so you tend to be in rural areas. That's where forestry is kind of practiced. So that's that's right. where I've been. So I end, uh, ended up in in, um, in less than, than, you know, large towns. Gotcha. <clears throat> yeah. Leslie, how about for your family? Are kids, are schools no, open where uh, you guys are? So I live in Lakewood. It's right on the border of Long Beach. Um, but, you know, it's L.A., so it all just blends gotcha. together. Um, and we are technically under the L.A. because Lakewood is a contract city. We're under the county rules. So Long Beach has its own mm -hmm. public health department. So they get to make their own rules. And my kids are in the Long Beach district, but Long Beach usually just follows whatever LA does. So my kids have been out since March 17th, I think, or 14th last year. Um, I don't think they're gonna be going back. Uh, and I got a survey saying that the K through five kids, even if they do go back, they'll only be going back for two and a half hours a day, which I just don't see the point in that. Um, so it's like, even yeah. if they go back, they're not really going back. It's just gonna be like, they're just doing lip service or whatever, like the minimum they need to do to like appease the parents. So um, yeah, I don't think they're gonna be going back. My older two kids, you know, they're old enough to have their own cell phones and stuff like that. So one of them is playing volleyball. So she goes to volleyball practice twice a week and has done tournaments, um, but the parents aren't allowed. And the oldest one, I mean, okay. I haven't seen my 14 year old. That's probably good. Huh? <laughs> Having been part of Little League and, and soccer, it's, it's probably good the parents aren't allowed. <laughs> yeah, well, they, the, the, the um, coaches are really good. They actually put it on Periscope or on Twitch so we can watch it. Um, so we'll just cool. watch it on our phone from home. But, um, and then the oldest one, I mean, I haven't seen her all weekend. She just goes and does whatever with her friends. And it's like, I'm, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'll tell her, like, I want you home. I want to see your face. I want you to be around. But I remember what it was like being her age. And I was never home. Like my only goal when I was at home was to get out of home. So I completely understand her and I want her to have that freedom. She hasn't seen her boyfriend in like three months because his mom is really 
crazy about COVID. Um, but yeah, she's had a long-term relationship through this whole thing. Like they've been together since before the pandemic. And I'm like, what better way to Great. stay together than to never see each other? So um, yeah, I just <laughs> let her do whatever she wants. She's, you know, she disappears on the weekends. Sometimes, you know, you have the phone to stay connected. I'll check in with her like once a day, but I mean, go do what you're going to do, especially in a pandemic. Um, I'm not going to, you know, sure. tell her to the house. Yeah, I noticed this with my kids, too. Um, so the oldest is eight. The youngest daycare was closed for about six weeks, like maybe May, May through mid-June. Um, we're in Seattle. We're just north of Seattle, uh, shoreline, technically. Um, and, uh, you know, her daycare has been basically open through the whole thing, which is wonderful. My uh, oldest school that I also used to teach at closed in March and we went to Zoom only and she did one Zoom class and said, this makes me feel super weird. I don't want to do this anymore, which I completely understand because teaching by Zoom also makes me feel weird. Um, so, so yeah, so she did not attend any school until about October. Um, you know, so I, I quit my teaching job. I pulled her out because we didn't want to do online education for a second grader. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought we were going to homeschool that, you know, did not really work because she needs to see other kids. So I, I put together a schedule where a couple of her friends come to my house a couple of times a week to play in the afternoons. And then she goes to like a three person second grade pod um, in the neighborhood uh, three days a week. And she has been much happier since she has been able to be around other kids again. Um, yeah, I know they, there's a lot of talk about how this is all going to affect them. And, you know, it, it worries me. It's like, you know, they're saying they're going to miss out on a lot of the social cues that they would be picking up um, on when they're in class. And with the masks, there's been talk about, you know, possibly um, not being able to catch on to nonverbal right. um, emotions and things like that and like signals because... They just aren't seeing it. So, I mean, I guess you just have to teach them that at home where you don't have your mask on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been worried about how this is gonna affect the youngest because it just, it just doesn't seem like it's going well. And like, you know, I mean, I think Ileana, you saw my tweet where I'm like, homeschooling is just me asking my daughter, like what are you supposed to be doing right now? Like a hundred times yep. a day. And yep, yep. I, I have my uh -huh. own stuff I have to be doing. And like my husband has his own stuff he has to be doing. Sure. And so we, it just feels like a losing battle. You know, if you, if you don't like, sit directly next to them and go over everything all day, and then they're going to push back on you because, you know, they'll respect the teacher and like be kind of scared about getting in trouble. But with you, it's like, whatever, mom, you know? So it's really difficult. I feel like of it's course, a losing battle. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. the youngest one, I think, has really had a um, difficult time. Um, I've reached out a few times to some of the parents and asked, like, are you allowing your kids to see other kids? And some of them say yes, and she goes and sees them. Some of them say no. Uh, she does Girl Scout meetings via Zoom. Um, so, but, you know, okay. when she comes home from a play date, she's much lighter than before she left. Out of the ordinary. Yeah, the, one of his classmates died. Ooh, that's right. Uh, and it was thought to be oh. a drug overdose because he was known to be shrooms. And so oh, the, the, uh, the principal went into this whole drug thing and it turns out that he had a brain. Yeah, you're not going to OD on mushrooms. Come on, it's mushrooms. Yeah, oh, gosh. yeah. So uh, that I... <laughs> So there were, in some ways, those are normal, you know, losing, uh, losing friends to, uh, 
uh, auto accidents or illness or whatever. People move away, but nothing earth shattering in terms of a pandemic or gotcha. normal things. Normal and bad, but normal. Yeah, I think we all right. we all have to go through those things just to grow. Yeah. You know, like we had a lot of auto accident deaths at our school um, when I was growing up, and then I switched schools a lot, but mostly just because I was bad and kept getting kicked out of my house. <laughs> but but um, <laughs> every time my mom would get sick of me in Orange County, she'd toss me back to my dad in Long Beach. Um, uh, yeah, so I oh think gosh. that, you know, those are normal things that I think everyone has to go through. Um, I don't know about getting suspended for a ketchup packet. That sounds insane. It was, yeah. I'll consider that kids get, uh, girls get kicked out for giving, you know, someone a my doll for your know, cramps. It's just, I, I hate I, it's yeah. I hate rules I, I, to the point where, uh, well, I'm I'm on I'm with you guys on the fifth column, so you yeah. know where my my bent is. Sure. And I used to work for the for a regulatory agency. Yeah, I was gonna say you yeah. used to work for Demand. Um, <laughs> How was had, that? It was interesting. I I was in general alignment most of the time, and. Uh, off to my book selection, I did. I read two books: one, *The Skeptical Optim*, uh, *Skeptical uh, Environmentalist*, and *The Rational Optimist* by uh, uh, Lomborg and, uh -huh. and Matt Ridley, respectively. Yeah, and I have read both of those. It, it clicked to me with *The Skeptical Optimist* as to why all the, you know, why my thinking that these things were going to happen when they hadn't happened before. All of the projections, all the prophecies weren't going to happen. Mm. And I said, ah, oh, this makes sense. And then Ridley just kind of sealed it for me. What did you do for forestry? Um, I started out working for, I started my career as a forestry graduate trainee. And um, then I worked at Mountain Home State Forest for three or four years. And then I um, took a job for uh, doing the, the training for the department, the resource management training, and um, did that for, oh, gosh, 15, 16 years while my kids were in, so that my kids could you know, be in one place. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. But my and and mm. then you know, now my kids are into opportunity costs. They're saying, you know, Dad, you could have moved. We we probably would have been good for us to to move. But I was <laughs> thinking, you know, you just you should stay in one place so that they have some stability and know who, you know, know the stick with their same friends and whatnot. But right. That's. So did you? You never know what is. Did right. you do like? Forest thinning, like management, like I have a good friend, uh, childhood friend. That, it's uh, really fun. There. I mean, it, it was a great university, and the Jesuits are like, you know, just their whole message. It was amazing. Um, I loved every minute of it. And so there, I kind of ended up uh, going to school and learning how to code. So I took advantage of that program and learned how to code, and then ended up totally on the digital side of everything, like you know, helping design websites and taking them live and all sorts of things. So I'm basically like a broad marketing person slash geek. So I can do anything from communications, like writing, awesome. content creation, things like that, all the way over to, um, you know, like web design or social media. I'm kind of, I work in nonprofit for the most part. So um, I'm kind of like the catch all for anything communications related. So I, I got to go back, like I got laid off. And so now, awesome. you know, kind of to what mom was saying is, especially in this day of like, you know, critical race theory and all of that, like I kind of take into account, like what is the environment gonna be if I'm applying for X, Y, or Z? 
Like, I feel like you have to take that into account so much more now because everything is like, right. It's like, everything is judged with like, you know, this like magnifying glass. And like, I just don't want to be walking on eggshells like at all times or, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. against whatever they stand for. And what I've noticed while looking for a job is that so many nonprofits have sprung up from like over the summer and the critical race theory and stuff that there's all these like justice nonprofits and, and, you know, whatever specific race nonprofits. And I'm like, geez, it is like, I don't, I just couldn't do that. (laughs) So it just seems too emotionally like exhausting and to try to jump through all the hoops. And so I've really been pretty picky with where I like kind of apply because I don't want to be stuck like playing a game that I don't feel like playing. So I found that a lot since I've been looking for a new place to work. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I'm, um, you know, the school where I was working, which is also in a relatively wealthy suburb of Seattle, um, they, over the last year I was there, they have become so much more woke to the point where um, the director opened one of our staff meetings with an admonishment that we needed to become an anti-racist school. Um, and, you know, I'm glad I left. Um, on the other hand, my, you know, once schools reopen here and kids can re-enroll again, um, my kids are going to need to go to a school. And I have been excluding lots of private schools because they are, you know, explicitly espousing you know, critical race theory. Um, so I'm kind of like at a point I'm, I, you know, like we're, we are not religious, you know, we're Jewish atheists, but our local, you know, parochial school may be the best bet because they're, they're the only ones that um, continue to align themselves with a sort of a classical approach to education that isn't political. Yeah, I feel like so, I've been lucky yeah, because I, I know. my kids are in Long Beach Unified and LA USD is such an awful, awful, awful school district. Like, I cannot express <laughs> enough to you how bad they are at right, everything. Right. Um, and so I feel really lucky um, that, you know, uh, I have the kids. I don't feel like Long Beach... You know, we did get that thing like that Matt talked about where we were getting like like text messages after George Floyd and all that. And it's like, I don't need you stick to teaching my kid history or uh-huh. something. Like, I don't need you to tell me how to talk to my children. Um, so I get a lot know, of right? rolling text messages and emails. Yep. But I think for the most part, um, the the district and the the individual teachers are good at not kind of pushing the two woke stuff. Um, I, I did keep my daughter. She, when she enrolled in high school, um, she was trying to do this, like, like a social kind of, you know, they have all these different routes of education they can take. And I pushed her into one that wasn't like, you know, social justice She wanted to join that one because her friends were. And I was like, no, 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 we're not joining that one. Like, you need to follow a real career path. Right. Like something that you can get a job in later. <laughs> um, so I steered clear <laughs> of that one. But I think my kids are pretty good. They'll ask me about things, you know. They'll be like, what's this about or what's that about or what do you think about this? You know, I'm very much about client, like the sky is falling, you know, whatever. It's just too much. Don't worry about that. Just be a kid right now. So I try to steer them, you know, but I always teach them to question right, things. Right. Like don't take it at face value. Like, you know, I try to make them be able to think on their own. So, and just, they, they'll just like weed it out. If it's something their teacher's saying, they'll roll their eyes and like move on. Yeah. So. Good, good, good. Norm, did you have that experience? So, like, I'm hearing Leslie say, and it's certainly my experience, that um, 
I, I need to do some damage control with the messages that, you know, my kids might be receiving, um, you know, my oldest from her friends who are talking about how awful, you know, Trump is and, you know, my kid doesn't yes, know anything about that. So I she'll ask yes, me. And, I'm go yes, and. Yeah, yeah, right, right. They're, you know, they're yes. going to be. Um, go ahead. They're going to be listening to their friends probably more than they do to you. And it's all over TikTok. Yeah, that's, yeah. Of course. Uh, pardon me for being Captain Obvious here, but when they ask you, obviously tell them what you think, but know that they're going to, they're also okay. trying to fit in. You know, I, I'm still trying to fit in. Sure. You know, so uh, <laughs> they're going to look at what their peers do and what they say and what they think. And uh, if you're, so maybe ask them what they think first and then what are you finding out? And then see if you can do it. Occasionally, my kids will still ask me something about, what I think, and I'm really pleased that they do. Nice. Uh, but just, just kind of be yourself and recognize that that you're you're competing with all kinds of shit out there now. That uh, right. has always out been out there. And there. There's always been a social media network. Uh, it just it's it was more friends than than we've expanded it, but it's still the same thing they're they're getting their teachers are telling them them stuff and still i think they're 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 the last word on on truth and fact and my son got uh, my eldest mm. got a a this the dreaded cell model you know uh, Make a, a and the, the teacher said it had to be one cubic foot, uh, a model of a cell. Well, I happen to have, okay. have a, a, a okay. piece of styrofoam, which kind of fit and um, said, okay, this works. Uh, it's X, X by X by X. That's one foot. That's one cubic foot. And the teacher, you know, said, no, that's not, a, that, that's not what I want. And that's not a cubic foot. I said, and it, I think she gave him an app, and I went in and said, "You said a cubic foot. It is so so deep. By this equals 144 <laughs> cubic inches. That is one cubic foot. Oh, I meant one foot by one foot. No, that's not what you said. Didn't so. Yeah, that's that's a square foot. The teachers, are, I guess, have god complexes or something. They always did. They did when I was in school." They probably did when you were in school, and they still do, I suspect. And it has gotten even worse now with, huh. I, I suspect it has gotten worse with uh, critical race and, and anti-racism and uh, pseudo-intellectualism, as best I can uh, suss it out. I, think, I, I right. think most people in any sort of government institution, they all think that, you know, huh. us little morons down here can't figure out how to tie our shoe. And it's, oh. and it's like, are you kidding? You're oh, the one yeah. working for the government. You're the moron, not me. <laughs> hey, I'm the moron. But... <laughs> uh, well, you're, you, you don't count. You know, you're... Um, <laughs> so, so I have a, a question for both of you, if you don't mind. So I, I grew up in uh, Romania. Um, that's where I'm from. And I moved to this country in college. So I did not go to an American school, you know, right. as a, you know, before college. Um, my personal sense from, you know, having been a teacher for my career and from looking at various, you know, historical records over the past 30 years or so, um, my sense is that, so I guess I was interested in you saying that you feel teachers have always had a God complex. Um, what about 
the rhetoric of the teacher as a hero, as this underpaid, overworked, uh, you know, martyr to the public good that I find has become so prevalent in the recent, you know, reopening due to COVID um, discussion, but also even before. Like, was that a thing uh, when you I, guys were I can in speak school, to that pretty well. That My parents are both educators. Um, I have a lot of friends that are teachers. I was always raised in that kind of okay. situation. Um, my mom was a single mom with three kids. Uh, only one okay. kid's mine father would pay child support. So we were pretty poor. <laughs> Okay. Um, wow. Like, you know, four of us living in like a 800 square foot house, like teeny little thing. Um, I actually shared a bedroom with my mom for a while growing up as a kid. Um, so she worked her ass off. Um, she also did like right. extra. She worked in severely handicapped children um, before she became a speech pathologist. So I recall going to like different okay. houses with her as a child and she would work with the severely handicapped that could not go to school and she would go to their houses and work extra outside jobs to try to you know stimulate the children and like you know like try to get them to be, be physical or you know like whatever kind of tools she would have um and then my father right he taught night school adult school and he also um worked within Long Beach Unified and, you know, he made a really, he made a decent living for, for himself and his, you know, um, wife and stuff. So I think that they've always kind of had this thing of like the teachers are heroes, you know, it's right. when I was in school, I remember there always being like, um, you know, it's teacher okay. appreciation day and you have to like write this letter. It's like Mother's Day, but for teachers, I don't know. But I feel like it's gotten yep. super crazy. So now um, parents are expected to uh -huh. donate money so that the the classroom will buy the teacher birthday gifts and teacher appreciation gifts. Like, I'm not kidding. So every year, so the teacher what? will get like, a basket with like a hundred dollar gift card to Cheesecake Factory and a fifty dollar Starbucks thing, and this is expected. And it's like, what is going on? Because I didn't even realize my teachers had birthdays when I was a kid. Like, it wasn't a thing. It was like, this person is my teacher. Yeah. That's it. For all I know, they get in a closet when I leave school, right? And then they show back up in the morning. Yeah. And so now it's become this thing of like. <laughs> We have to show this extra love and we have to, you know, all this stuff. And it just seems to kind of have gone off the rails somewhere where hmm. we're like personalizing them a bit more instead of just like teach my kid, you know, about the dates and then like leave it there. Um, and so I feel like it's gotten worse, uh -huh. but I also think that the curtain is being pulled back on a lot of it now with this, uh, now that they're showing their true colors, the, the unions are are refusing teachers um, to go back into the classroom. So I think that I don't think they're going to be revered quite as much as they once were after all of this. Yeah. I, Norm? I've been trying to think of if I can come up with anything and no, I can't. I just, my memory from, from my experience in grade school and all is that they were uh, they were in loco parentis. They were thought they were your, they were the parent and they had control of you. And that's, yeah. I don't know if that means revered. It just means that they were kind of godlike beings <laughs> and I hated them I'm for the most part. <laughs> yeah. I hated them for the most part. I had some, I have, you know, some teachers that I really looked up to and, uh, found, uh, very useful, but it wasn't until I went to state college that I learned that not all teachers thought alike and that there was not, uh, that curriculum mm. 
was formed by who was teaching it. I would have, I had um, an economics class and uh, forestry economics. And one of the other teachers would walk in and they were friends and they both were diametrically opposed. One was conservative, one was liberal, and they would argue, debate in class. And it was the most eye-opening thing. And they, were, they weren't um, hurling insults or ad hominem. They were debating the, what, was, uh, what policy should be. And it was the most interesting thing on earth. Right. But um, that's perhaps a little off topic. But it, it was kind of the moment when I realized that there was more than one way to look at things. And uh, my wife and I were talking the other day that so much of school now is taught that there is one right answer. There's never one right answer. Yep. There are better answers and worse answers. Yep. Warmer and colder, but there is no I, one I, right answer. I'd like to add, so I went to... You know, I, I went to yeah. higher education at Long Beach State, State College, and I graduated there. But then when I worked at Loyola Marymount, I, um, you're allowed to go to school there for free if you work there. So I started getting my master's in education because that was the only thing. So I have half a master's degree. Cool. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but what I... <laughs> but what I found awesome. is <laughs> the classroom had changed so much between like 2007 and like 2016. Um, it had become I could I could see the wokeness change um, in in many of the education because you know education there's a lot of you know wow theories and things like that and um human development and things and so you really started seeing yes. like the race issue being brought up a lot more um i you know kind of just had to go to class and like walk out and be like okay thank god that's over i don't have to think like that anymore um so there was a lot of playing the game but i could definitely see what was happening right. in the universities and why, like kind of how we've ended up here since with the messages that they're getting. Um, so just in that short time, I felt like, you know, teachers had gone from being teachers to preachers. Wow. No, I actually just came up with it right now. When it came out of my mouth, I'm like, that's kind of brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it was really striking to me when you mentioned how the classroom had changed profoundly between, you know, in the span of 10 years. Um, do either of you feel that parenting has changed recently? Like what parents are expected to do, how they're expected to behave um, with their children, yeah, what family sure. life is I mean, supposed to be like? Do you like, feel like that has yeah. changed in recent years? I was memory? always home alone. Like I was, okay. I'm a latchkey <laughs> kid. You know, I'm the typical like Gen X kind of, you know, all those memes when, uh, when the lockdowns first started and we're like, Gen X was made for this. Yep. Um, that that was my life. My brothers were old enough that they had already gone off to college <laughs> and I was, um, you know, I, I was the last one to leave the house in the morning and the first one to get home and, you know, raised by Nintendo kind of thing. So um, that's why I don't really harp on my on my 14 year old and she's gone all right. weekend because, you know, we used to be out all over the place on our bikes and I could hardly get my daughter to walk to her friend's house like three blocks away when she was 12. And I'm like, what do you, it's right there, just go walk. And they have a cell phone yet they're terrified of everything. Right. So I think it's, right. it's changed drastically and I'm so bad, I just don't play that game. Like my kids played soccer um, and everything was just like, you have to be at every practice. You have to be at every, I'd be like, nope, drop them off, go do what I need to do, come back and pick them up. Uh, I was, I was, I don't, I don't like, I'm not one that wants to play the game. Good for you. So, uh, you know, I've noticed, what? I will be right back. Okay. 
Sorry one thing I've noticed we'll right is back. that it used to be that you would just go to a birthday party and now like okay. the whole family comes to the birthday party. Like if you're having like a birthday party for a one year, uh, first grader, you have to be prepared to have the mom, the dad, the siblings. It's it's like ridiculous. And then you're also expected to stay at all the birthday parties. I'm like, what happened? I don't want to go to a first grader's birthday party today. <laughs> I, I, I. And then you're like judged. I dislike you, that so much. I know you know, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back in a few hours. And you're like thought of to be like the worst parent in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 so ridiculous. So my my kids dance classes, you know, we finally found a dance class that, you know, was open with precautions during COVID and um, you know, they started going in September. It was great. And, you know, the studio is smart. So all the, you know, all the uh, the classrooms are hooked up with, you know, a camera and a Zoom account in case, you know, they have to go virtual, which, you know, is awesome. Uh, good for them. But because there is a Zoom link available, the teachers no. are always asking me, oh, are you going to be watching the class today? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't. I don't plan to. This is her space to do her own thing away from me, right? That's part of it. Like, you know, that's how kids individuate without their parents being, you know, all up in their business all the time. And, you know, the teachers always look at me like, oh, like, oh, you you don't, you're not interested. I'm and like, I'm not the one dancing. She is. It's her thing. And I um, think... I think I was going to yeah, ask like, Nora, like, why are we expecting even, to be so involved? I have found that even my know, mom has changed. Like, my mom is involved in the girl's life a lot. Like, when we're both, when we're both working, my husband and I, they're with grandma. That grandma's house is, like, their place. So, like, when my kid was playing soccer, I said, I told my mom, I said, okay, mom, I'm going to go drop okay. Violet off at soccer and I'll, you know, go run this errand. And she's like, you're not going to stay for her soccer practice? And I was like, when I was five, you hardly slowed the car down for me to get out at the park <laughs> when I had soccer practice. And I was five. She's like eight or nine. And it's like, it's, even she can't remember how little, little involved she was in parenting. Like, it's you know, I think a lot of us grew up in single households and um, our parents didn't have time to really parent. They were just too busy trying to provide, you know, food and shelter. And, you know, it was kind of like the craziest things would happen when I was little with my brothers. I have a brother that's, my brothers are eight and nine years older than me. Um, and it would be like terror in the house. And I'd be like crying and freaked out. And like, my mom, who knew where she was? I don't know, but I'm stuck with like these older boys that are like, I used to run outside and scream to the neighbors, like, somebody help me. My brother's gonna kill my brother. And I'd be like beating him with my soccer cleats, trying to get him off my other brother. And it was like, it was madness. And, <laughs> and like, my mom probably still to this day has no idea about half the stuff that went on when she was gone. So, and now she has that little thing of like helicoptering. Nora, do you helicopter grandpa, your kids, your grand granddaughters? Mm. Mm. They're too far away. Uh, they're they're uh, a five hour <laughs> drive. So I don't, don't get to, uh, they don't get dropped off at grandma and grandpa's very often and they uh, gotcha. they have not been dropped off for an overnight yet so we'll that's a ways off i guess right and then we'll see what we'll see if that ever yeah. happens with them because they are their own people uh, i was a soccer coach nobody ever hung around sure. for sure. i was a soccer coach later and i have i was the coach that right. was watched all the time and i found like I found it almost political, like a five-year-old soccer game. Like you have to make sure all the kids get to play the same amount. You don't want this parent mad because she didn't play enough time and you don't want that. And it was just like, it was too much. I was like, I'm good. I don't need to coach soccer again. 
but Adam, my husband, who grew up in Florida, very much basically, you know, ignored by his parents. He was one of three boys. Um, he has a story about how he broke his arm once doing a cartwheel off a coffee table um, in their Florida house. Mom, mom wasn't home. Dad wasn't home. There were no cell phones. So he had to sit in a chair holding his arm that was like the shape of a V broken until mom got home. Because what else were you going to do? I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's he's noticing that kids these days, quote unquote, um, appear to be less willing to just run out of the house and go play. Um, you know, like Leslie was saying, like they're, they've somehow internalized that the world is a scary place. And so they're, they're afraid or there's nobody else out there willing to play because everyone is in their homes being supervised. I think, I think um, so, yes. I think this, um, uh, it's a great loss. I think that cable news has done a lot to this uh, because, say, back when I was young, if there was a kidnapping mm. in Tennessee, I wouldn't know about it. My parents wouldn't know about it. Now it's like you hear about everything that happens everywhere, and it's constant. Right. Right. And so it's made this like paranoid place where we think the world is a much worse place than it used to be when in actuality, it's like safer than it's ever been. And so I'm happy. Like when my kids, my daughter came home one time when she was like 12 or 13, yep. I don't yep. know. And she was like, we went to Carl's Jr. at midnight last night. And then we went and hung out at the middle school. And I was like, I guess she thought I was going to be mad at her. And I was like, good for you. Good job. Get out there. <laughs> and like, I try to push them. You know, like one thing that my kids hear me say constantly is I'm here to prepare you to get out of my nest. That's my job. And so, yeah, I might be a little bit of a bully or I might, you know, whatever, it's my job to make you resilient and it's my job to make you self-sufficient and prepared. Um, one of my early memories with my oldest is she said, you're not my friend anymore, mom. And I said, you're right. I'm not, I'm not your friend. I'm not supposed to be your friend. I'm here to prep you. And that's my job. And I think that a lot of people have lost wow. sight of that. Um, I see people on my social media, like friends yeah. of mine, and they'll post pictures with their daughter and they're like, hashtag bestie. And I'm like, Ooh, no, that, that's no, that's not healthy. Hey. Um, so a lot of times, no. you know, I just remind my kids no. like, yeah, my heart on you. Sure. It's my job <laughs> to make you be able to figure it out on your own. You know, I'm like, do you remember on Twitter that whole hubbub with the guy with the, his daughter and the can opener? Like, I'm totally that guy. I'm totally that guy. <laughs> like, I oh my like, gosh, yes. I was like, yes, I do. I so wrote this whole thing about it. I was so mad. I, <laughs> um, I was raised, so my mom remarried, and I was. she remarried an um, engineer, an aerospace <laughs> engineer. And he was born during the, he lived on a farm in Missouri, the youngest of like 11 kids, uh -huh. in this small town in Missouri um, during the depression. So he made me learn everything. I know how to plug tires. I know how to change out a radiator. I can change my own oil. Right. I can like put a window back on the track, which most people listening to this right. won't even know what that means anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm like totally like, I want to fix it and learn about I, it I, and I, figure I can do it that, out. Actually. And he was always <laughs> like, you know, just do it yourself. And so I'm, I mean, I guess I'm, I have, I got a lot of my work ethic from him and I guess I'm just trying yep. to pass that to my kids and it's not going to be, you know, everything's easy and groovy and whatever. So I don't know. I just always try to remind my kids what my purpose as a parent is and it's not to be your best friend. Norm, what do you think the purpose of a parent is? Get them ready to get out into the world. I'm still trying to go figure out what the purpose of education is. 
at least as it's currently devised. But um, the, the purpose that I always tried was to give them mm. tools, critical thinking, to get out and get into the world. That was my, my attempt. I don't know how, or that was my hope. That was my hope. I don't know how successful I was, but uh, they seem to be doing okay now that they're middle-aged. Yeah, then you did good. <laughs> you can, you, yeah, you only, you only have to leave a few scars, and then after that, yeah. you know, I, I, one of my big parenting things that I'm noticing is that it's all relative, right? So, a kid from an affluent household or say like Orange County, right? So a kid in Orange County, he's going to be raised with the silver spoon. He's going to have everything he needs. He's never going to have to want for anything. Um, but his complaint is going to be that mom and dad were never there. And then a kid from say like urban LA, maybe they, you know, have a small apartment or they, right. you know, don't live above, they live at the poverty line or what have you. And then their complaint will be something else about I grew up lacking X, Y, and Z. So you're never going to be like, I kind of have a parenting motto of they're going to hate me anyway. Right. They're, they're going to have their issues with me. Like we all have issues with our parents and it's all relative and it all, you know, it's just, it's just a thing. So it's like, they're going to be mad at me no matter what. So, I, I don't know they're, be, they, they're not going to be mad at you, but they're going yeah. to, to have issues. We all do. Yeah, they're going to have their scars, but it, the question yeah. is, yeah, that's more along yeah. the correct correct way. But and it's you know, they're never going to be fully satisfied. And I think especially in the way that we're raising people now, like we're in this like hyper. Um, psychological moment where everybody has to discover all their wounds and talk about it and complain and like woe is me and at the weight of the world and and so I think it's almost yeah. gotten worse. You know, it used to be like dust yourself off and get out there and now it's like yeah. sit on my couch and cry about it about it for three hours. Yeah. It it really it's it really shocks and surprises me um, whenever people talk about, you know, trauma that all these things, right, that most people go through in their lives, like, you know, the death of a loved one or, um, you know, a really big failure or, you know, an injury or a fight in the family, whatever, um, that now these things are trauma and you are expected to have a hard time getting over it when the reality is that uh, post-traumatic growth occurs so much more frequently than uh, post-traumatic, um, you know, depression or, you know, an inability to integrate. Like most people use trauma to get stronger because otherwise yeah. how would the species have survived, right? We're meant to get over things. That's the natural state. Yeah. Um, all right, folks. Well, we've been going on for about an hour. I don't want to take much more of your time. Um, Leslie, I did have a question for you. So um, did you so know Matt? So he went when to he college with um, my brothers. So when he talks about being at like the UC Santa Barbara paper, my brother, um, my brothers both were there too. Uh -huh. And they also all moved to Prague together. So yeah so i've oh known my him gosh. since okay. uh i don't know i mean i must have been in grade school um so yeah and then okay. uh, they were all in prague and one of my older brothers has stayed in prague he's still there um and yeah he's never oh, come wow. home so um he has yeah. three three uh, half Czech, half American kids. So, um, yeah. And then my other brother cool. is, um, you know, he did a lot of music stuff with Matt and we would go to a lot of my brother's shows and I'd see Matt there. And so, 
Yeah, and the last time, right before lockdown, I actually saw Matt. It was like a show, one of my brother's shows, and it was like right before lockdown, and then um, it all shut down. But Fun. yeah, so I just kind of, yeah, like he's almost like a brother, you know? I was going to ask you if you have any embarrassing anecdotes. I don't. I would go, though, and talk about different in parenting. My mom would drop me off at UC Santa Barbara with my brothers for, like, a week. Uh-huh. And I would be surrounded uh-huh. by college boys. And I was, like, 15. That would never happen today. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. So no, I would go, would like, you know, they'd, they'd go and just do wacky stuff, but it was always a good time um, whenever I went, because I got to like, I got to like be with the big boys, you know, and see college life. So that was always fun. Well, thank you, Norm. Do you have any, uh, any uh, words of, If you enjoyed this episode, remember to rate and review us and share it with your friends. We are on Twitter at Fifth Community. We rely on you to make this show happen, so please be in touch.